Welcome to the Improvement Imminent Podcast. I'm Philip Weigel, here with my brother, John Michael. Together, we set out to create a better program that can bridge the gap between gyms and help more athletes improve their fitness. Each week, we ask ourselves, what can we do better? And we challenge each of you to do the same. Our mission is to share our knowledge from our nearly two decades of experience as CrossFit athletes and coaches to help you approach each day's training with more purpose. All right, we are back and uh, together again. Jamichael and I are both here, so we're going to bring you the next week of podcasts. We finally wrapped up the open workouts, and frankly, I'm excited because that means we can get back to a program that kind of has a little bit more rhyme and reason to it because we don't have to tiptoe around a workout that we don't know until Thursday. Yeah, the Open's definitely, I mean, it's a great test. I love doing it every year. Uh, it's a great way for us to kind of test and see where we're at, put ourselves up against a workout that we're not necessarily favored towards. It's good because it's unbiased, um, but it is a great way for everyone to see where they're at. It does kind of suck from a programming standpoint just because we do have to kind of avoid certain movements at certain times, uh, so I'm really excited to get back to a general program where we're not worried about, you know, conflicts with the open. Yeah, and in doing that, we are going to do some more deadlifting. We did a little bit last week, and we're going to do another another series of deadlifts uh, this week, and also some front squats. We're getting ready to move into uh, some strength building as we come out of the open. So we're going to be testing a one rep max on the deadlift and a front squat real soon so that we can use those numbers to build percentages and build strength in the coming months. Mm-hmm. All right, so we're going to kick the week off with Monday's stuff. On Monday, what are we doing, Jim Michael? We got four rounds for time, and we're going to put a 15-minute cap on the whole piece. It is 10 back squats, 10 toes to bar, and then 20 dumbbell push press. Back squats uh, are prescribed at 185 for guys and 125 for ladies. And you're going to have to pick that bar up off the ground. So really, you need to use a weight that you pick up one time and do all 10 reps with. They don't have to feel the best. Uh, It can be a little bit of a struggle. You don't have to get them done fast. You just have to do all 10. Well, or I strongly recommend you do all 10 so that you can only or only have to pick up the bar one time each round. Yeah, obviously it has to be a barbell you can clean uh, because you got to take it over the head. Uh, for the dumbbell push press, that's going to be a 50-pound dumbbell, two, my bad, rather two 50-pound dumbbells for a guy and two uh, 35 for a lady. Um, <clears throat> that dumbbell push press is going to be uh, pretty nasty, I think. Four rounds, that puts us at 80 reps, and that's a decently hard movement. That's um, a lot of them, and yeah. they're very fatiguing because the dumbbells always want to fall away from each other. I would say on that, it's really important that you guys work on that dip position. With dumbbells especially, if you guys have any forward lean in the dip, as you try to press up over the head, it is very difficult to keep the dumbbells close and stacked over the shoulder. So making sure that you guys are doing a nice vertical dip and making sure that you guys choose a dumbbell set that is appropriate for you. I would say, um, I don't know if these 20 dumbbell push press need to be done unbroken. I don't think it's the worst idea to do maybe a set of, we say 12 and eight. I think 12, eight or 13, seven would be great. I think a lot of 10, five, five is gonna happen. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really fatiguing to hold on and do those big sets with the dumbbells so either scale the weight or be ready to break it up now you remember you do have a 15 minute cap on it uh which means that you gotta do each round in what like three and a half minutes so um yeah around yeah three minutes 45 seconds so it's it's not something that you have to be able to hold on to and do 20 in a row and 
personally, I, I don't think I would even try to do the first 20 unbroken because I know how fatiguing that dumbbell push press is. Um, so yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a movement that you got to be a little cautious with because it's so taxing on the shoulders and the core. Yeah, absolutely. This one's going to be a gritty one. I definitely think, <coughs> excuse me, I definitely think 15 minutes is enough time to get through it. Um, but absolutely, be be careful about the back squat weight and be careful about the dumbbell push press weight. Uh-huh. Uh, just because I think uh, if people get to the point where they have to drop that back squat, uh, 15 minutes is a very hard cap to catch then. Just because it's really hard to pick that bar back up over the shoulders to the back and then begin again. Yeah, and, and most people are going to need to take a break in the toe to bar, even though it's only 10 reps. Um, I, that costs you some time. And then... Pretty much everybody, I think, is going to be taking breaks in the dumbbell push presses, so you're going to lose time there. So you really can't afford to put down the bar and then have to go through that huge process of picking it back up and putting it back on your back again. Absolutely. Um, Then we're going to follow that with a little bit of post-squad. One of my favorites, it is going to be a 10-minute squat hold. Um, So it's our squat test. Uh, I love this one just because time forces people into a good position with that that, uh, squat hold. Um, As you guys spend time in the bottom there, you start to learn what it's like to be in a better bottom position, keep the chest up, uh, and it's just a great drill because it's so simple, but it is so brutal for a lot of people. Um, well, I, I think it can help you to gain more bottom position or awareness of your bottom position, but I don't think it necessarily sets you up with the best bottom position because when I sit in a squat for 10 minutes, I'm not staying completely structured and rigid and, and upright the whole time. I'm going to go through a bunch of different phases where I kind of let my back round and I work on getting my knees out more or I put more stress in my ankles because 10 minutes is a long time to stay in one exact place. But I think what Jamichael really means here is that in that 10 minutes of holding in a squat of some sort, we can open up more position to be able to be better at the bottom of our squat. We don't actually expect you guys to have perfect squat positioning for a straight 10 minutes. That'd be very, very, very difficult mentally and physically. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a big one is just learning how, and you mentioned the knees thing. I know a lot of people have their shins burn when they do this Mm. because they constantly pull their toes up as they try to pull themselves back forward because they feel like they're going to fall at the back. Um, So learning how to let your whole foot kind of sit on the ground and learning how to slowly let your knees drive a little more forward while keeping the heels down is really beneficial in this one. I think this is one of the things that helped me with my squat. I used to pull my toes up on everything, um, and this helped me kind of learn how to settle my foot down in the bottom of that squat. Yeah, I, I know you're not likely to do this in the gym, and it's a little bit different because because we're on rubber floors, but I've done a lot of these squat tests barefoot on carpet, and that kind of gives you that sensation of being able to grip the ground and, and literally use my toes to engage the floor and, and better connect with it. Um, I think that's a big issue with a lot of athletes is that they just don't really connect with the ground when they move, and that's the one thing that you have constant connection with, right? You're standing on it. So the better you understand the engagement with the floor, then the more structurally sound any movement can be on top of it. So think about that a little bit uh, while you're doing the squat test, and as you go through those different phases of, of different types of tension and squat while you're holding for those 10 minutes. Absolutely. Do your best to stay down there. You're probably going to have to stand up, or a lot of people have to stand up a couple times, shake out the legs, but then get right back down, talk to your friends, right? Make the time go by by having a little fun. Absolutely. Um, on to Tuesday. Tuesday, we're going to begin with a little bit of a skill strength. You guys have five rounds on a three-minute clock, and we are going to be doing 20 to 40 seconds of a hollow hold and 10 Russian kettlebell swings. <coughs> 
for these Russian kettlebell swings, uh, we want to see them as a heavy weight. The reason that we do a Russian kettlebell swing with a heavy weight is we're not looking for you guys to get that kettlebell overhead. We're looking to see how good is that bottom position in the kettlebell swing and then how well can you guys activate um, the posterior chain to launch that kettlebell, send it forward. So we're going to do a Russian swing, which is just, uh, we'll say, about shoulder, eye-ish level. Yeah. Um, and so, it's really about the hip. It's yep. really about how well can you guys use the hips how to quickly, shoot that kettlebell how forward. How quickly can you extend the hips mm -hmm. and the legs? Because that's where the the hips moving forward gives the kettlebell the arc of its swing. The legs extending gives it its upward propulsion. So we have to have both. The legs extend, the hips extend. So basically you stand up super fast and that's what pops the kettlebell up and through range yep uh with a russian swing remember to relax your arms we're not pulling the kettlebell up because like we said it's the hips that move the kettlebell we're trying to let it float up and our arms just sort of guide it they actually should relax and bend slightly we shouldn't try to keep that kettlebell at a full arm's length away from the shoulder. We should let it kind of float closer to the body. Because when it comes back down, if it's really far away from you, it has the potential to put more uh, more load through your back. And with a heavy, heavy kettlebell doing the small range of motion of a swing, it can be, it can be a little bit dangerous if that kettlebell is way out in front of you and it yanks you to your toes. So settle back into your heels, let the elbows bend so that kettlebell floats up and stays closer to the body. Um, I'm thinking that we're gonna put up a video for this one on, on the Instagram channel, so it'll probably get bounced over to our Facebooks and whatnot. Uh, so take a look at that. We'll show you how we want that kettlebell swing to look, how it should feel, and how you should activate that posterior chain to drive the movement each and every time. Yeah. This is really a drill on powerful hip extension and we've coupled it with a drill that's all about core tension taking our body into flexion. So basically we're going flexion to extension with the hollow hold and then the kettlebell swing. We're working the opposites but all right around the hip and the core. Yeah, a little posterior, anterior. And then we're going to move on to our workout, which is going to be a 10-minute AMRAP. And it is a 20-meter burpee broad jump. Then you guys are going to go into 10 kettlebell snatches and then two rope climbs. So burpee broad jumps. Um, haven't done these in a while. They are, <laughs> they're worse than they sound, right? It's, uh, <coughs> the broad jumps tend to be extremely taxing. Try to land really smoothly. The more, the more impact you feel when you, when you hit the ground, uh, the more it tends to wear the body out. So if you can smooth out that landing and receive, uh, receive all that force by cushioning it with a squat, uh, I think it goes a long way to help balance out the workload or the feel of the workload so you're not just getting snapped out of breath by those impacts. Um, then 10 kettlebell snatches, we're going five and five, five each arm. Try to use that half rotation switch to change hands. Because we just did that work with our Russian kettlebell swing, it should feel super easy to do a kettlebell snatch because we just moved a much heavier kettlebell with, yes, a smaller range of motion, but by applying way more force out of our hip, more aggressive forward motion and upward motion of our hips. So tossing a kettlebell overhead, a lighter one, even though it's in one hand, should be pretty easy because we've primed that pattern, we've turned on all those big muscles, and hopefully they're working right. Yep, and then we're going to finish that with the two rope climbs. And on those two rope climbs, what we're looking for is for you guys, use the legs to climb that rope. 
Um, I know at CLE you guys have a little bit lower ropes, so you might have to start. Is it legless that you guys start? Yeah, so we go legless as our standard rope climb. Okay. That's an RX rope climb, if you will. Um, but we totally encourage people to learn how to use their legs and use their legs. I've begun encouraging people to use their off leg. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's a lot freaking harder than you might think to go ahead and start doing left-footed rope climbs when you've always done right-footed rope climbs. Um, so that definitely makes it harder, even though we've got a shorter ceiling. And then we don't jump into anything. So we just start by standing, and then we grab the rope, and then we pull, whatever that looks like. Okay, yeah. Um, so at Kadri, we have a couple 15-foot ropes. Um, and really, I just encourage you guys, do not pull with the arms. All right, Use the legs to help you guys go up that rope. It is going to be uh, after that hollow hold and after the kettlebell snatch, um, I think the pull is going to be a little bit fatigued. Um, and the broad jump, yes, it is explosive, but there's always more left in the legs. And so I think learning how to use the legs to climb that rope a little more than relying on the arms to just kind of grip and rip ourselves up is going to be much more efficient over the course of 10 minutes. That being said, um, this workout, it's 10 minutes. A burpee broad jump is a, naturally in itself going to take um, probably around a minute, I'd say, for most people to get down and back. Um, are you going to do a 10-meter course or 20 meters? Uh, I don't know. I'll see how it lays out in the gym. I mean, if you if you stop and turn around, I don't mm -hmm. think I don't think that's gonna crush anybody's time too much. No. Um, but yeah, I, with the burpee broad jump, my recommendation is don't try to do fewer reps with a bigger launch. Mm -hmm. It's actually gonna cost you a lot more. Mm -hmm. Take one extra rep and have nice balanced jumps where you have good landings because I think that'll actually save you energy in the long run. Absolutely. Um, but regardless, it's only gonna be ten minutes. Yeah. So no matter how fatigued you get, it'll be over soon enough. I think we're looking at maybe a max around five rounds, I'd say. I don't even want to throw anything at it. <clears throat> and so I'd say, uh, obviously, kettlebell snatch, going broken. Try to hold on. Um, rope climbs. If you guys cannot do two, if two is going to take too long, uh, I would encourage you guys go down to one. Um, go down to one rope climb. That way you guys can stay on a better pace. We'd rather see you guys get more rounds with one rope climb than fewer rounds with two rope climbs. Agreed. Uh, just because the stimulus here is it's 10 minutes of I'm pretty working. intense, pretty hard moving, yeah. Um, there's no reason here that we need to stop. The Burby Broad Jump's a great one because it's everyone can do it. Whether you jump five inches or whether you jump five feet, everyone is doing a Burby Broad Jump. And so I love that movement. Um, so make sure that you guys are scaling appropriately and just stay on it. Stay on it and push. On to Wednesday. Um, we talked about deadlifts. So this is going to be as we pull some deadlifts here. Our strength is a five by seven deadlift pull. Okay. And we want a heavy but controlled set. Yeah, so when I say heavy but controlled set, I mean, obviously, we're going to start a little lighter on that first set and probably second set, and then the third, fourth, and fifth, those sets should start to be quite taxing. Uh, but control, I'm talking about the spine. You should not lose control of your spine. You should be able to properly lower the lift, touch the ground, and immediately pull right back up um, without a big, aggressive bang off the floor. We're not trying to bounce the bar. We're trying to move it uh, almost robotically is how I would say it. It's it's very much a, a smooth, controlled action. <clears throat> also, with a controlled set, we're not going to drop when we're done. We're done when we set the bar down after our seventh rep. So these are relatively big sets of deadlifts. You're not going to be doing the most weight. You're not going to be pulling 90% of your one rep max. We're probably looking at more of a start around 50% and get up towards 75 or 80% maybe. Um, but I don't even want to get tied up in percentages with it because the idea here is just 
we want to get used to pulling some heavier weights and understand our spine position before we go into a one rep max that we're going to do next week. Um, so really, this is this is kind of hey, let's remember how to do a deadlift so that we can safely pull a really heavy deadlift next week, and we can use that as our benchmark to then build strength on. Yeah, as an athlete, understanding that it's not necessarily the pulling the deadlift up that does um, the most benefit for you guys. It is also the the um, eccentric, eccentric phase, phase yeah. right? Lowering the bar is where you're actually going to create the most damage in your muscle tissue, and that might sound bad, but when you damage your muscle tissue, it has the opportunity, if you've got proper nutrition, hydration, and sleep, to then rebuild itself stronger than it was. That's what makes us stronger. That's why getting sore is good, because soreness is damaged muscle that's then going to hopefully be repaired stronger than it was. Yeah, so I'd say absolutely. Like Understanding here, positioning is always going to be more important than how much load you guys can just chuck on a bar. Yeah. Um, if you guys do this with good positioning, even if it's less loading, uh, you guys are going to get great benefit out of it. Then if we just throw a bunch of weight on, we expect to do big sets, um, expect very little result just because uh, we haven't done the movement as best as we can. So we haven't gotten to do, um, or we haven't gotten to get all the benefit out of it. So like Phil said, control to the ground. As, um, as best as we can. Is that related to asbestos? Oh, I'm not a fan of asbestos. Me neither. I like, I prefer like black mold. <laughs> that's, that's what I like. I can't, I can't make a, a funny thing out of black mold though. Oh, well actually speaking of black mold, we're going to move on to our workout. <laughs> um, it's going to be something a little bit different. Uh, it's something that is going to be, I believe it is what four, yeah, four pieces and each is for time with a two minute rest between. Mm -hmm. um, so it's kind of a little benchmarky. You guys get the option. Obviously, everything we're looking for is intensity here. Um, but this one's going to be a fun one because I think it's one where uh, large unbroken sets, if not large unbroken sets, you guys can do, um, I mean, there's a tons of different strategies, but just push through each portion. It reads like this. It is 30 power cleans, and you guys can do this 60 to 65% of your one rep max power clean. So base this off of your own one rep. Don't worry about the person next to you. Um, if you guys get worried about other people, expect it to be a different workout for you. So 60 to 65% of your own one rep. My hope is that that puts us around two to three minutes mm -hmm. to get through those 30 reps. Yep. Um, so doing the math, at least off of my one rep max, that I think I can do it in right around that time. So I'm hoping that reflects around the same for you. If you think that that weight is a little heavy, 65% is a little heavy, then stay on the 60% side. If you feel like... 60% is not enough and you'll go through it too fast, then bump up a little bit to 65%. How does that come out for you, Jim Michael, the numbers? Um, let me do the math real quick. 65%. And this is um, our power clean? Yeah, we're going off power clean maxes. Um, that'll put me... So you should probably go on the 60% yeah. of it because you have a very high power clean. I'll be around 60, and that'll put me around three-ish minutes if I can stay pretty quick What's on the it. weight for you? Uh, it's going to be like 190. Yeah, yeah, that's that's my 65 or so percent, I think. Um, so, yeah, I choose a weight that, you, that puts you hopefully near that range but gives you the potential to do quick small sets or Absolutely. really freaking quick singles. It's going to go to singles eventually, uh, I think, because 30 is a lot of reps, but hopefully you can get through the first 10 or 15 mm -hmm. in bites before you commit to fast singles. But fast, 
fast yes. singles. Yeah, we get a rest after. So even when it gets to singles, right back on the bar, right back on the bar. Yep. Um, we get a two-minute rest, and then we're going to move on to our piece number two, which is 50 chest-to-bar pull-up. And let's scale that. Let's do pull-ups. Let's do banded pull-ups. Let's go aggressively into ring rows. Mm -hmm. um, with 50 chest-to-bar pull-ups, John Michael, time frame, three to four minutes. Yeah, I would say this is going to be one where... Um, Maybe the old 25, 15, 10. I know that's a popular one that people like to do. Um, well, that's if you can really you can hold, hold on, on and do big reps. I mean, most people probably aren't looking at that. They're looking at maybe 10 to start and then quick small sets. So that's where scale it appropriately mm -hmm. so that you can maybe open up with a bigger set of 15 or so. Yeah, and I think uh, for this one, actually, I don't think it's the worst idea. If you guys do a set of 10 and maybe we say we go to fives right away, um, five, drop off the bar, turn around, get back up on the bar backwards, right, the way you just came from, and begin again. I don't think that's a terrible strategy. Uh, once again, it's just, it's about moving. If it comes to small sets, that's okay. It just has to be a quick rest um, because we get to get off this movement and we get a two-minute rest again. So there really is no excuse to be resting here because we have two minutes of rest built in. Um, we're going to finish those 50 chest to bar, rest two minutes, and then we go into our uh, 70 thrusters. And we're just going to use a barbell. So guys, you'll be using uh, a 45-pound bar, and then ladies, you'll be using the 35-pounder. And <coughs> if anybody's done Jackie before, uh, we know that big sets of light thrusters are uncomfortable but doable. Right, this is kind of like wall ball shots where you can do three more reps. You just really don't want to. This can be done unbroken. 70 reps is doable unbroken. It's just not comfortable. If you go unbroken, you're looking at two and a half minutes of work. Mm -hmm. Yep. Most people are probably going to break it up. So if you do break it up, still we should be trying to keep this, I think, under five minutes for those thrusters. Really, I'd like to see more like four minutes to get through those thrusters. Absolutely. Uh, and even if you do break, even if you, uh, I know some people that like to break by taking the barbell to their back and mm -hmm. resting. Um, even if you break, say we take a 10 second break, um, get right back into it and begin again. Uh, like Phil said, it's one of those ones where you can do one more. If you're at 50 thrusters, uh, I promise that if we, um, if we ask you to do two more, you could, right? It's just a desire and a will to do it. So make sure that you guys kind of push pretty hard through that because that is in my opinion, probably going to be the nastiest one. Ah, you can go really deep there. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that one's just... <laughs> that's going to hurt. That's the one where even the cleans and the pull-ups, uh, there's some level of muscle fatigue that's going to stop you. Well, there's also forced rest. Yeah. You don't have to rest on that barbell. Yeah. It's just... You, you can absolutely do one more thruster. Unless you are failing the rep, which I don't foresee many people doing, yeah. I think you could absolutely do one more. So push pretty deep there because we got a two-minute rest, and then we're going to finish this out Oh, and remember, we totally have trainer bars. We can mm -hmm. go lighter. Yes. We can go 25 pounds on the thruster. True. We, you definitely should open up with 30 reps or more. Yes. So if you can't do that, then lighten the load. Yep. All right, the last one after the two-minute rest is 90 double-unders. Uh, I'm not sure how I feel about that, John Michael. What do you mean? So just 90 double-unders across the board? Because that looks a lot different depending on, on who you are and your skill level. Yeah, I'd say let's set it with a time frame. Um, should we should we do instead of ninety double unders? Should we do two minutes max, max double yeah, unders? Because like to me that makes a little bit more sense. Because when I do <coughs> ninety double unders fast, it's 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 under a minute of work. Mm -hmm. um, and not to, not to prop myself up, but there's there's mm. plenty of other athletes who can do ninety double unders in a row, and that's not really all that much to ask of them. 
So if we give it two minutes and do as much as we can, some people might be hitting 200 some double unders, mm-hmm. and other people will be working really hard just to get through the 90. Yeah, which I'd say it's totally cool. Let's max out two minutes and see how many double unders you can do with fatigued shoulders and a high heart rate and forearms that are a little bit burnt out. All yeah, that jazz. Yeah, and I'd say it's a good one because two minutes will also allow for uh, scaling. If you guys do not have double unders, but you are practicing them, two minutes is a great window for you guys to work on that. And if there's no double under in sight and we're still working on single unders, um, two minutes as many single unders as you guys can get done. Mm-hmm. I like that window just because then everyone can work for two minutes. Um, that being said, make sure you work for two minutes. I know that the tendency here is going to be you knock out, we'll say, um, say you knock out 100 double unders and you're about 50 seconds in. Uh, do not rest when you trip up. All right, get right back on it, begin again, and try to finish out those two minutes without taking the hands to the knees, without dropping the rope. So make sure that you guys just stay on it. Nice. Yeah, I, I, I really like Wednesday. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be a good day for people to kind of push themselves. Um, each one of these, in its own way, you guys can push pretty hard. Uh, we got a heavy barbell, we got a super light barbell, and then we got two gymnastic movements. Um, one that's pretty high skill, and then one that we can scale however we need. So I'd say make sure that you guys are just uh, kind of gritting your teeth and pushing through this one a little bit. There's a lot of intensity that can be had here and a lot of really good results that I think can come from this one. Yeah, enjoy the uh, the the roughness of those thrusters. I don't know what that had to do with black mold, but... No, I mean neither, because it can kill you. Let's name it black mold. Let's name the workout black mold. I don't know about that. Mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I don't see the connection. There's not really one. Okay, moving really on. Let's do Thursday. Absolutely. Um, we're going to begin our strength. We're going to do five rounds, and each round is two minutes. And you guys have seven strict press followed by seven good morning. Um, I wrote this one, so I'll just talk about it real quick. I want it done as one unbroken complex. So we finish. We do, we'll say we start our seven strict presses. We take it off the rig. After our seven, we're going to lower down to the back, and then we're going to go right into seven good mornings. Um, and so this is going to be abs and butt engaged, staying real tight, Pillar of excellence, doing those strict presses, and then we go to the back, and then we're going to do all of that bend and snap on the way back up. Okay, when, really? Um, we, yeah, what we're looking for here is not going to be a super heavy load. Strict press and good morning it, just in, in the movements that they are are going to require quite a bit of, uh, I'd say just, it's a light load. Um, you can't do a ton of weight unless you've done a lot of strict pressing, unless yeah. you've done a lot of good mornings especially. So make sure that the strict presses, you guys are focused on abs and butt tight. And then in the good mornings, make sure you guys are focusing on a nice slow lower and then a snap to the top. We want you guys to explode back up. Yeah, I say it takes about two to three seconds to properly lower a good morning. Absolutely, yes. And this goes back to what we talked about on deadlifts. Where do you damage muscles the most? Yeah, um, the eccentric phase when you guys are elongating those muscles on the bottom of good morning. Uh, I'm talking just a barbell even. Yep. Uh, if you guys have ever done good mornings with a barbell, a really high quality one, you guys will notice that it, it makes you sore. Yep. So just taking the time to the bottom of that good morning, snap back to the top, that's going to have huge benefit for you guys, especially as we talk about this deadlift cycle. Um, this is a great movement that can be done with super light load by anyone, and it can have massive effects for your ability to use the hamstrings, the glutes, and the low back to help snap a bar. Well, it can really teach you how to isolate and, and keep the spine as a solid unit. Absolutely. So that we use the lower leg muscles instead of trying to use our back to lift heavy weight. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so light, light weight here, I'm not going to put a percentage for you guys. I would say um, the seven strict press need to be done unbroken, like I said. The good morning need to be done unbroken. Um, start light. 
Start with a weight that you guys can manage is five rounds. If it's if it's too light and you feel like you need to go up a little bit, do so. Um, but we're not building to a max here. And if you guys have ever tried to do a max, good morning. Um, <laughs> well, that wouldn't that wouldn't even happen here because yeah. you have to strict press it. Yeah. Um, so you're going to be limited by how much you can do for a set of seven <coughs> and hopefully do really well. So focus on quality over uh, load. Absolutely. The workout. Every three minutes for 18 minutes. So how many rounds is that? That's six rounds. Yep. Six rounds of this. We're doing 12 to 20 calorie row, and you have a minute of work there, or a minute at most to get through your work. Mm -hmm. Then 12 to 20 pistols. That is a 45-second window to work. And then lastly, 8 to 16 handstand push-ups. Again, a 45-second window for work. So that ends up being uh, two and a half minutes of working time at most, which means that each round also has 30 seconds of rest inside of it. Yeah. Right. Because every three minutes we're going to start a new round. Um, the idea here is you spike up your heart rate on the rower a little bit. Should be strong but steady rowing. Think about positions and how to apply the force to the machine. Then you move on to the pistols where you have to work on accuracy and control and balance, and it's a much more difficult movement. So find a way to do good reps. I'd rather see you do fewer reps better than more reps that are not so great. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, the handstand push-ups. Make of it what you will. Um, some people should be working on strict handstand push-ups. I am one of those people. Uh, kipping does not so much for me, so strict is where I can make more change and growth. If you need to do that, if that's where you really should be putting your effort, then maybe you're doing fewer reps. If you're working on your kipping, then go for it. You might get more reps in. Um, but again, you've got a 45-second window to do it. Hopefully that means there's a little bit of rest at the end of the minute, or you've already used up your rest by taking your time during transitions, because at the three-minute line, we go back and we begin again on the rubber. Yeah, this one's going to be a good one. It's meant for people that... <clears throat> What's a good way to work the skill element of both the pistol and the handstand push-up, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because we're not trying to max out intensity anywhere. We're kind of trying to set a steady, maintainable pace because we've got those rest bites in there. Um, so if you start with numbers that are too big, then just kind of fall back a little bit. If you find that you can't do things well because you're too exhausted then you need to do a little bit less so that you can do it better. Yeah, and this one's really made for people that need to work on the high-level gymnastics when they're, uh, when they're fatigued. Yeah, which a little is, bit fatigued, a little bit out of breath. Which, unless you're a games athlete, is pretty much everyone. Even uh, if you are a games athlete. Yeah, it's just it's difficult to spike the heart rate in something like a minute of rowing and then say, okay, now we're going to do a nice um, and controlled movement like a pistol mm. where you have to be able to breathe, you have to be able to control it, you have to be able to... Um, balance, and then something like a handstand push-up. All right, now we're going to flip you upside down. Um, so this is going to be a fun one because everyone needs to do it. It's a great one also because you build in rest. So make sure, even if you guys are going to do, um, we'll say you can't get through the 20 calories, and so you've uh, you've chosen to do the minute of work max, um, <clears throat> make sure that you guys are still transitioning quickly. It is much easier for you guys to get on the rower and ready at the three-minute mark and then begin right on the money than for you guys to get caught by the three minutes, and then you guys are constantly trying to chase that time. So try to stay right on the beginning of it. Um, I know that the moment it catches you on the back end, it gets much harder to stay on it. So be on the rower, be ready for that next round. Yeah, like I always, well, like I say a lot, uh, <clears throat> own the minute. In mm -hmm. this case, own own the three-minute window, right? Mm -hmm. Be ready to start on time so that you've earned a break at the end, and then you can reset your brain and your body and then be on time again.
Yeah, and we've done some uh, we've done some barbell in the last couple workouts. Uh, I know on Monday we did the back squat, and then um, we didn't do any barbell on Tuesday, but on Wednesday we did the power cleans and the thrusters. Um, so this one's going to be no barbell for our workout, but we're going to do some high-level gymnastics, higher level, and we're going to put you guys on a rower. So it's going to be a great one because we get to do the heart rate spike like we talked about, and we get to work on some pretty specific and as difficult as we can make them skills. Like Phil said, if it's easy, by all means, make it harder. Make the strict handstand push-up what you guys do instead of the kipping. Um, kind of push yourself here. We Look. give you guys the rep range that you guys can kind of work on what you need to. We say that CrossFit is infinitely scalable, um, and that's true, but it takes cognizance on your part as an athlete to scale it, right? Um, Jamichael and I don't always do the same workout. He can lift a lot heavier weights than me, uh, and and I shouldn't be lifting the same weights if we're going to be doing a three-rep max on a, on a power clean, right? Or if I'm doing a 90% lift in a workout with my heart rate high. It's going to look different because we're at different strength levels. So pick the right amount of work, the right difficulty of work to make you a better athlete. If you focus on yourself, then you'll earn your own results. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Friday, let's. Uh, we're going to start with our wad. Um, so we've been doing our strength or our skill first in the week. So this time we're going to start with our wad. And it is five rounds for time. we got an 18-minute time cap on that. It is going to be 10 alternating lunge. That is with... Um, 115 for guys, 80 for gals, and we're going to use that weight for the rest of the workout because then it goes into 10, or my bad, uh, 10 alternating lunge, 15 hang power clean, 10 bar facing burpee, 15 shoulder to overhead. I'll let Phil talk about this one. He wrote it. Yep. Uh, so <coughs> an 18-minute cap on it, I think it should be very doable in that time. Mm -hmm. um, I think there will be some people under 15 minutes with it. Uh, change the weight if you need to. When you pick up the bar, you should do all the lunges unbroken. If you really want to be aggressive with it, you're not even going to put the bar down. You're going to stand up your last lunge and then just let the bar fall to your thighs where you're going to start your hang power cleans. Uh, 15 reps. They don't need to be done unbroken, but it really shouldn't be more than three sets. Right? Three quick sets of five should be at most uh, the most broken up that we see of those in that set, rather, um, each round. Then you've got 10 bar facing burpees, so find a good rhythm. Just, just move and breathe. And then you're going to put the bar overhead. With those shoulder overhead, uh, it's not meant to be that heavy a weight. So you might kind of want to do some push presses. Maybe you want to do some push presses and some push jerks. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I just encourage people to use the right weight for themselves. Because when I look at this workout, I look at something where it's kind of asking me to do everything unbroken, isn't it? Yeah, I mean... Reading this one, it, it almost looks a little bit DT-ish. It's yeah. one of those nasty ones where you don't really need to step away from the barbell. Um, it's kind of one of those... you got to pace the burpees, yeah. though, because if you look at it, the burpees is the one time when you get to put Bleep. the bar... Or, uh, Bleep. Frickin' bar down. Bleep. <laughs> it's the one where you get to put the bar down. Yeah. So <laughs> enjoy that. It's the only time when you aren't going to be holding on to it, so you get to recover your forearms, relax your shoulders mm -hmm. a little bit. I know you're doing a burpee, so, I mean, the shoulders only relax so much, but you're going to go into those shoulder to overheads, and you want to be able to get through reps quickly so that then you can move back to the lunges. Yeah, I'd say don't don't underestimate the 15 shoulder to overhead going straight back into the 10 alternating lunge and then the 15 hang power clean. Uh, that's going to be, I'm, I'm just thinking about for myself, uh, DT is a workout that I really struggle with. Um, holding a barbell on my front rack especially just really taxes me. Yep. Um, and that's going to be difficult. So I think for me, a strategy is going to be um, 8 and 7 on the hang power cleans, maybe 15 shoulder overhead unbroken. Um, but 
I think it's just going to be smart um, for me to try to get the bar off my front rack quickly, take a quick rest, and then get back on it. And Phil said the burpees are going to be my rest. Um, the barbell, there's not really a reason to walk away from it. I can stay on this one the whole time. I'll have my chuck near. So it's going to be doing the burpees as my rest. Yeah. Yeah, I I hope people I hope people enjoy this one because mm-hmm. I like the look of it. Um, alternating lunges, we got to we gotta start getting a little bit more of those in because yeah. it's hard to fit them in too much. And if you do too many of them, you just get trashed. So hopefully this is enough to leave you sore mm-hmm. but not, not broken. Um, and then we've got some stuff in, in Saturday's workout that it can help you recover from the lunges a little bit. True. Um, um, yeah. You want to talk about the post-wad? Yeah, post-wad. We are going to do four superset rounds on a four-minute clock. No, it's four. I changed it. Oh, okay, four superset rounds? Yeah, four superset rounds on a four-minute clock. Um, <coughs> we're doing – yeah, you got to change the clock too because it probably says three. Oh, it does. Look at that. Yeah. Uh, five to ten strict pull-ups. Now, depending on how much a boss you are at strict pull-ups – you need to add weight. If you can do more than 10 reps, then you got to add some weight so that you can't do more than 10 reps. Um, or add a lot of weight so you're doing five really difficult reps or something like that. Um, somewhere between the five and 10 rep mark, use bands if you need to. We want to build some strength here. Right? We're trying to control some good strict pull-ups. In the workout, we didn't really do any pulling overhead. And if you do hang power cleans well, it's not really a pull, it's more of a leg push. So hopefully the arms and the and the upper back are good to go to pull those strict pull-ups. After that, you're going to move on to your barbell, which is on the floor, and you got to pick it up and do five front squats. Now, we do want to ascend and load. Um, so basically, the question is how heavy a bar can you pick up? And if you can pick it up, can you then do the front squats? You've got four rounds, um, and if we can, each round we'll just tack on a little bit more weight. Once you get that clean or power clean out of the way, then do your squats nice and deliberately because you've already done, I think, the most difficult part, which is successfully picking up the bar. Yeah, so that one's a little bit interesting. Like I said at the beginning of the podcast, we're trying to get ready for uh, a heavy front squat because we're going to test that next week. So last week we did some front squats and some power cleans and hang cleans, or rather hang power cleans and hang cleans and front squats. Um, in a in a strength and lifting piece. This week we're picking it up and front squatting it again, and then next week we'll take it out of the rack and we'll go for a one rep max and see where that lands us. Absolutely. Yeah. So four rounds of that, four minute clock. There's a good bit of rest in there, so you should be able to recover, add weight to your bar, and do all that and have have time to flow through. Yep. Last um, thing for the week. Yeah. Saturday. It's going to be a partner wad. Uh, it is a hundred meter bear crawl. 50 goblet squats, 100 meter overhead kettlebell carry, 50 hand release push ups, and then we go back to the 100 meter overhead kettlebell carry, 50 goblet squats, and 100 meter bear crawl. So you guys are going to be going in and out of this one. It's like a little pyramid, and it peaks at the 50 hand release push ups. Um, so between you and your partner, uh, actually, I don't think that's, I think we had to go 100 hand release push ups. Oh man. Because then it's only 50 a piece. That's true. Yep. 100 hand release push ups in the middle. <laughs> look at that. Look at that. Would you look at it? Uh, so, uh, nah, my bad. 100 hands of these push-ups. Uh, this changes everything. No, I was kidding. So, uh, bear crawl. It's two partners. Um, we'll probably build a 25-meter uh, track here at Cadre. Yeah, something um, like that. So, change back and forth as you need to. Mm-hmm. Um, just communicate with your partner. The bear crawl at the front is going to be real easy uh, and go fast. The bear crawl at the end is probably going to look a little different because we've fatigued the shoulders a lot holding the goblet doing the overhead kettlebell carry, 
doing the hand release push-ups and then doing the carry and the goblet squat again. So, yeah, there's going to be some shoulder work done here. Um, and, and well, just generally speaking, there's a lot of there's a lot of the backside, right? The bear crawl is going to loosen up and work on the glutes and the hamstrings. Goblet squat's going to get the whole leg in general, uh, especially the quad, I guess. Uh, carrying kettlebell overhead, not a big deal. But those, those first two movements those are really gonna open up the legs. So if you are beat up from the day before from those lunges, well, we should be able to get some fresh blood flow into the system and help to recover those muscles a little bit more quickly. Remember, being sore is great. Mm -hmm. It means that we are making progress because we damaged tissue and it can now heal. To help it heal, we want to encourage healthy blood flow, which means doing similar movements to make those muscles move and loosen up and get fresh blood flow so that they can heal faster and stronger absolutely um that is what we through saturday yeah that's all right that's our next week <laughs> opens over so we hope you guys enjoy this next week uh hopefully you guys had fun during the open you guys got to test yourself test te test yourself not test yourself test yourself um and uh I've and never, see where you're at i've yeah. never tetted myself ever. no it's a good it's fun you don't try knock it out. until you try don't knock it till you try all right guys we will see you all in the gyms absolutely